Abba, Father. We are so unworthy. But thank you for providing a way that we have to approach you. Through our sinfulness, through our disobedience, through our willfulness, Lord. You've provided a way. And all it takes is for us to choose. And for such a simple choice, it becomes so heavy for many, Lord. And Lord, I pray today, as we go through this day, that if there are those that need to make this choice for you, that their hearts will be convicted. And if there are those that feel like their faith is faltering, that hopefully the words that come today will help to shore it up. And Lord, I pray that all I say today will be for your glory and your honor. In Yeshua's name, amen. Well, I have to admit, when Rabbi told me that he was going down to speak at Rabbi Tokersher's congregation, which, by the way, they're having technical difficulties too. (laughs) I said it's because Rabbi Scott's there. I thought that was funny. Yeah, happened to, I was taking my Facebook feed and throwing it over to the page and scroll down a little bit and I say, we're having technical difficulties. (laughs) It's because Scott's there. (laughs) Sometimes you just have to laugh, guys, (laughs) because if you don't, you're going to cry. So I'd much rather laugh. Anyway, so I have to be honest, when he said he was going to Rabbi Tokajer's, I said, okay, let me see what the Torah portion is. And I looked at it a few weeks ago. And um, I was telling Kim this earlier, so she's heard this. So I kind of cheated real quick. I went to Chabad, and I read the Parsha in a nutshell. And I have to admit, I went, ugh, really? This one? How many of you, when you started studying this week, went, ugh, this one? (laughs) If you're honest with yourself, right? It wasn't the most energetic, entertaining, gripping. How many of you really kind of slogged through it, if you want to be honest, right? Because it contains 74 of the 613 mitzvot. How many of you counted them? Did Rabbi Rene give you that as your homework in his class? Huh? Did he make you count them and list them all to see if they were there? Huh? No? Oh, Rabbi Renee, you're falling down on the job. Next year. Next year, Rabbi Renee, homework for this tour portion. Make them find them all. Yes, yes. Yes. Next year, make them list all the mitzvot in this tour portion. Oh, he's shaking his head, yes. Next year's Torah Club will hate me when this comes around. (laughs) Yeah. Make them list all of them. I'll remind him. I'm good about that. (laughs) So, basically... But what we see compared to last week's Torah portion is that this week's Torah portion actually narrows the focus down. And they're taking these commandments into commandments that are dealing with relationships and individual matters. So basically this potpourri of laws, if you're wondering what's the theme that kind of runs them all together, deals with many aspects of daily living, of justice, family responsibility, work, sexuality. And so basically, we're told 
that wherever you go, whatever you do, mitzvotes are going to accompany you. Okay? You can't get away from God. You know, if you build a house, when you install a door, when you put on new clothes, when you cut your hair, when you plow a field, when you sow, when you harvest, even when you walk down a, a, a path and you happen to see a bird's nest. Okay? So basically, God was giving the Israelites the challenge and ultimately giving us the challenge to choose the way that they're going to act every time they would go out. And these choices that they would make would determine the type of community that they would create. Now remember, Moshe is, guys, we can turn the air conditioner down. Yes, everybody's going, thank God, she's finally comfortable. <laughs> remember, Moshe is, is, is going back over all of this because they're about to enter into the promised land. They're about to have to build their communities. So these choices, these everyday choices, are going to determine the community that they're going to create. So these laws were meant to help people consciously focus their actions in a way that their society would become a place where people would kind of care about each other and promote a style of living where people weren't cut off from each other. They were kind of meant to inspire engagement and connection, <laughs> very unlike society today. You know, today in society, we move about our own little worlds, right? How many times have you gone to the grocery store, and have you noticed this, that people walk around with earbuds in their ears? Very cut off from society, right? In fact, almost everywhere you go nowadays, people have earbuds in their ears. Okay, if you have earbuds in your ears, you're not, you're, you're kind of signaling to everybody, hey, don't talk to me, leave me alone. I'm in my own little world, right? So, to me, this whole Parsha is about choices and attitudes and how this spills over into our relationships and our other aspects of our lives. And I have to say, I, I thought when I first read this, okay, I'm going to do this. Then maybe I'll do this. And then when I actually sat down and started writing, we went a totally different way. So welcome to Judy's world. Yeah. And I, I was really surprised because I didn't expect to go this way. And I kept saying, okay, well, we'll do this, but aren't we going to go here? And we kept, no, you're here. But I wanted to, no, we're here. Okay, I got it. We're here. So this is what God has because I really wanted to do something else. But I'm not. So here we go. Have fun. It's me. As Whitley says, put your seatbelts on. It's going to be a bumpy ride because it's me. It always is. Scott's probably wondering if he'll have a congregation when he gets back. <laughs> so, my question is to you, how many of you would say that you have enemies? Raise your hand if you think you've got enemies. Oh, okay. I didn't think you guys would be honest. Okay. We're going to come back and revisit this. So, you know, hold on to that. So the first point that I want to touch on today, out of this Parsha, because there are so many aspects of this Parsha, is when it describes the army going out to battle. Okay? Hey, sweetheart. Hi. Hi. Can I say hi? Oh, my goodness. How are you doing, Izzy? Huh? Are you being a good boy today? Uh-huh. Hi. Can you say hi to everybody? Huh? Okay. Can you go to mommy? Izzy. Go to mommy. Go to mommy. There you go. Good boy. He's so cute. Bye, sweetheart. Go to mommy, okay? Bye. So what I want to touch on is when the, ar when the army goes out to battle. Now, 
setting the stage, though, is in everything that we do, every action that we take, everything that we study, we can find, if we look below the surface, that there's a hidden spiritual meaning that can really aid us in our faith walk and in our service to Adonai. So while this may be an actual battle that they're talking about, we can also see that it's alluding to an inner spiritual battle that's going on with us. And the battle within ourselves and against ourselves and our evil inclination. Okay? Now, our evil inclination says, feed me now, do it now, I want it now, 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 right? Give it to me now. Ever been on a diet and you go in a buffet line and you see the desserts, right? Or, or better yet, I'm going carb-free. And then you see the baked potatoes and the pasta, right? Right, or you're a parent, right? Or a grandparent. And you've got the kid in the checkout line that sees the candy. I want it now. Give it to me now. That's what our evil inclination says. I want it now, 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 now. Give it to me now, 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 now. Always yelling at us. Now, 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 now. Instant gratification. I've got to, you know, it's throwing a temper tantrum at us, right? You know? So if, if, if we're that parent with that ch child in the store throwing a temper tantrum, do we take the child out of the store or do we let the child have it? Okay? If you let the child have it, you've just reinforced the temper tantrum. Or if you take the child out of the store, you've just reinforced that temper tantrums don't get you anything. Okay? And that's what the Parsha was telling us that, hey, wait 30 days, don't give in to your desires, exhibit some self control, and, you know, well, not guaranteed because you got free choice. But you may see in 30 days that she's not as pretty as she was 30 days ago. Okay? That, that big, you know, all that adrenaline going in when you're in that middle of that battle has now subsided. And you can think a little more rationally. And you're going to look at her and go, she ain't that pretty with that shaved head anymore. Or with that, you know, little hair starting growing back out and it's all kind of standing all around, you know? Some of you men who have really short hair can probably relate to that, right? When it starts growing back in, you know? So the Torah is using this example to us of you self-control. But it also is teaching us another fundamental le lesson that on the flip side, we, don't, we can't feel like that we've arrived. We can't feel like we've reached a certain point and we no longer have to worry about that. Go back to your diet and not eating any carbs and throw a plate of pasta in front of you. Right? You know, oh, this is beneath me. I don't have to worry about this anymore. You know, this is behind me. That's in the past. You know, once you start feeling like you can rest on your laurels about something, and you don't need to be on guard about something anymore, and you don't need to be working on something anymore, ah, guess what? That's when your evil inclination is going to come around full force and body slam you to the ground. I will be totally honest because I am transparent, and you know me, I am. Yesterday I was working on my notes. Natalie had gone to GGC to study. I dropped her off at like 7.30 in the morning. I got home at 8 o'clock. I started working. Now, granted, we did hit Chick-fil-A before we went to GGC. Yes, the Chick-fil-A girls know me in the morning. They know what I order in the morning. I am consistent every morning. Except the other day, little aside, I actually, A, walked in the store, freaked them all out. Miss Judy, you're inside. I said, I know, I have legs, see? And then I ordered something different. Totally freaked them out. In fact, JoJo, the next day in the line, she goes, Miss Judy, you had me so worried about you. In fact, I remember what you ordered. <laughs> so so I, I had eaten about 7 o'clock in the morning. I got home. I was working on my notes. I was working on my notes. I was working on my notes. I did not eat all day. Picked Natalie up. She had to babysit my niece, her, our nieces and nephews last night. 
dropped her off at four. I had to go see the chiropractor, got done with him at six. I said, you know what? There's a Moe's right there. I'm going to go to Moe's. Get my Moe's to go. Well, you know, when you're really hungry, if you're me, what do you carve? What, what do you crave? Something sweet, right? I want something sweet. I really want something. I don't need something sweet, but I want something sweet. Okay? So I'm driving home. I said, you know what? QT has really good chocolate-covered donuts. Hey. So we stopped at QT. Guess what? QT didn't have any chocolate-covered donuts. <sighs> okay, fine. There's a Dunkin' Donuts right there. I'm going to Dunkin' Donuts. So I go to Dunkin' Donuts. Boston cream and a double chocolate. Okay, the Boston cream was okay. Do you know that chocolate-covered donut that was, like, nasty? I took, like, two bites and went... I threw it away. So, yes, yeah, see, there you go. I totally gave in, but that's what I get for not eating all day, and... Yeah. So, and I have to tell you, too, my Moe's was not that good either. Their black beans have been sitting way too long. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> But see, it tells you when you let your defenses down, you're going to go eat donuts in my case. <laughs> okay? So, spiritually speaking, though, we can also get in serious trouble when we let our guard down. Okay? And I see three reasons why this will happen. Okay? First of all, we just get complacent. We're cruising. We put the cruise control of life on. Okay? You know, we like where we are. We like where our faith walk is. We've got the, oh, I can just ask for forgiveness mentality. You know, we don't see those road signs that say the road is closed. You know, we're headed for destruction, but we've got blinders on. You know, we're, and our whole lifestyle is drowning out the whispers of Adam and I going, destruction, 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 okay? Because we're complacent. All right, then we got the people who, you know, they're on this destructive, destructive path. It may not be destructive. It may just be unhealthy, whatever you want to call it. Okay? They don't even know they have a problem. Everybody else can see they have a problem, but they don't know they have a problem. All right? And the real problem is that they're not paying attention either because they're cruising. You know, you get in that fast line. You put on that cruise control, you're just sitting there, just cruising. That's why I don't use cruise control. I start going to sleep. I got to engage my foot and engage my hand and engage my eyes and my brain so I don't go to fall asleep. I don't use cruise control. Okay? So, you know, these people, they're not paying attention to where they're going. And even if they're confronted with it, they don't want to change because they like where they are. Or they say, oh, that's just the way I am. I don't need to change. That's how God made me. Hmm, really? Okay. And then we just have the people who, for lack of knowledge, lack of training, lack of study or whatever, don't understand or underestimate spiritual warfare. So today I want to focus on a passage from 1 Peter 5.8. So if we'll throw that up on the screens, please says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. I have a, I have a, if you look under sermon on the playlist, there's a, there's a picture that has it on there. Wow, they're pulling that up. First Peter 5, 8. I thought I had put it in there. First Peter 5.8. All right, that'll work. So right there in this verse tells us that just because we're a believer doesn't mean that we're going to have it easy. It's telling us right there that we're going to have some stuff thrown at us. Okay? We can't afford to let our guard down. Now remember, Hasatan is our foe. And he knows us better than we know ourselves. And he has been studying humans for a long time. And he understands our tendencies. 
Okay, so let's take this first one. It says, be sober. Sober-minded, some versions say self-controlled. All right, now I'm going I'm to be nice, and I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up for this one. Yeah, you know where I'm going on this one, Jackie. All right, if you have ever been drunk in your life, everybody goes quiet and starts looking in their book. Mm-hmm. No, I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm not looking up. Mm-mm, nope. You know that you don't know what's going on around you. Now, I'm talking really drunk, 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 not just like a couple of glasses of wine and you got a little buzz, okay? But if you've been drunk, okay, for the younger generation or the millennials, we can substitute the, 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 the drugs, you know, weed, whatever you want, substitute whatever you want. It doesn't have to be alcohol, okay. You don't know what's going on. You're not going to control your body. There's a reason you're falling down, okay? And your reflexes aren't that good, right? That's why we're told, be sober-minded. Know what's going on around you. Because Hasatan knows if he can get into our mind... He's going to make us do things and think things that we wouldn't necessarily do. But guess what? We're making it really easy for him. Because we live career-controlled lives, socially-controlled lives, media-controlled lives, and this opens the door for the enemy to draw us away from God. So my question to you is what's distracting you and allowing Hasatan to creep up on you without you even noticing? You know, an alcoholic doesn't get drunk from taking one drink. It slowly creeps up. You know, what diversions is Hasatan using to keep your focus off of Adonai? Now think about it for a minute because he's crafty and it's not going to be obvious what he's doing, at least not at first. Because if it was, you'd be, oh yeah, it's this, and then you wouldn't be doing it, right? So it's not going to be obvious. So I'm going to give you some suggestions. Kids, who's flattering you at school? But does he or she even use your name or just go around calling you Bay? Hey, Bay, you're looking good today. Excuse me, I have a name. Do you even know it? Okay? Who's neckline? Skirt line? Pant dropping line is distracting you. Don't worry, kids. I'm equal opportunity. I got the adults coming, too. What phone call or deal is more important than your quiet time in the morning? What movie, video game... Or video, YouTube. That can be a rabbit hole. Do you watch or play? But you rationalize away the graphics, the plot, the language. You know? What exam or deadline do you have coming up that pushes everything else? You know? What political platform are you so passionate about that takes up all your time? You know, are you constantly checking your phone when you're having dinner with friends or your family? How many times do you turn to your phone versus turning to God? Yeah, I'm starting to step on toes, aren't I? That's my job. You know, it used to be, we used to use an alarm clock to wake up in the morning. It'd be across the room, right? So we'd have to get up, walk over, hit that stupid alarm clock, and head to the bathroom and get dressed, right? Nowadays, it's the phone right next to the nightstand goes off, we pick it up, turn that alarm clock off, first thing, oh, let me check my emails, before we're even out of bed, right? Oh, let me check my Twitter. Then we'll take it to the bathroom with us. Yeah, I'm going to get real graphic. We're sitting on the toilet. What are we doing? We're checking our Facebook, our Snapchat, our Twitter, Fox News. If Rabbi was here, I could really tell on him. (laughs) 
Yep, all day. Notifications. Right? Notifications all day. Oh, notification. Let me look at my phone. Oh, let me look at my phone. Oh, let me look at my phone. You know? How many of you have an iPhone? I have an iPhone. Okay, of all of you that have an iPhone, how many of you have actually checked your screen time statistics? Oh, what is that? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Your screen time statistics is that that tells you how much time you're spending on your phone. And it breaks it down. Now, again, in full transparency, I will tell you I get 151 notifications a day. And I'm not as important as some of you guys, so I'm sure that's low. Let me ask Jamel how many he gets. Come on, look at it and tell me. It's under settings. <laughs> He's busy, that's why I'm pointing him out. Just tell me your notifications. Look at it over like the last seven days. It'll tell you your average. I only get 151. I can only imagine how many he's going to get, okay? So distractions, constantly, going off. Got to check this email. Got to look at this Twitter. Got to do this. Yeah, I'm very proud of my daughter. She really doesn't get on Facebook anymore because she realized she was getting on Facebook videos and that it was a rabbit trail and she just kept going down the rabbit hole. And it was sucking up her time. So she doesn't get on Facebook that much anymore because she realized it was sucking up the time. How many? How many? <laughs> A day? For week. Oh, for the week. So divide that by seven. There you go. Okay, not bad. You're a little, a little more than me. I would have thought it would have been more. Okay, but still, you get my point. So for you the guys with your iPhones, go in. It's under settings. I'll be glad to show you where after service. If you want to totally freak yourself out and see how often you're on your phone. It even breaks it down like social media, productivity, everything, okay? So, but Romans, just leave this up though. I'm just going to throw this verse out. Romans 12.2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect Romans 12 2 now we tend to copy the people that we associate with you know we borrow the thoughts from books that we read programs we watch almost without knowing it I remember one time when Scott and his dad worked together I walked out of the back and they were both standing in front of me. And I kid you not, they were both standing the exact same way. They, their, their, feet were, their feet were planted the, both the same way. They had a hand on their hip, and the other had, they had their other hand like in their, either in their back pocket or on the belt of their pants. The exact same way. I walked out, saw it turn around, and went and died laughing in the back. And they didn't even realize it. I mean, they're carbon copies of each other. So we copy the people we're with. Have you ever caught yourself saying something that you've heard somebody else say or acting a way that somebody else has kind of acted? We pick up these things, especially if you live with people. Natalie and I, because we have been together so much with the homeschooling, we actually say things at the same time, the same way, in the same words. And she looks at me and goes, we did it again. And it's really fun. Now we laugh about it, but at first it was a little freaky. So, you know, but the, here's the thing. We don't need to copy the world. Because that's when we get in trouble. Because we're not supposed to be of the world. We're supposed to be different, whether we like it or not. We're supposed to talk different, act different, and be different. You know, it's a choice. And it's a choice that we make with every breath and every decision and every word that comes out of our mouth and every thought that goes through our mind. 
So the question is, what are you feeding your mind? What are you renewing your mind with? So remember that our Torah portion basically pointed out that whatever you do and wherever you go, the mitzvot accompany you. These mitzvot gave you guidelines for everything you did. Oh, but we don't live in that, you know, we don't live back then. We live in a different world. But the concept still stays the same. Concept doesn't change, guys. You don't think God knew that we were going to make it to 2019? Yeah, he did. Okay? So, we just talked about how many notifications that you get. So the question, and I kind of clued you in about your screen time on your phone, but who would really be up to the challenge of keeping a daily diary? You know, if you're, like, if you're on a diet, you keep a food diary of what you're eating. What about a diary of what you're feeding your brain every day? You know, we have all these electronic devices that ping and make noise and makes us look and draws our attention. Read this email, look at this Twitter, do this, do that, do the other. Where's your Bible? Is it just sitting over there collecting dust? Because it's surely not shouting at you. On the floor? It's on the phone? Does it have notifications? Do you have notifications set up so it says, read me, read me, read me? Same concept. So your app is sitting there collecting dust. App. This is what I said, guys. App. You know? Our Bibles aren't shouting at us, read me, read me, read me. Our email is shouting at us, read me, read me, read me. You know, Twitter, read me. Snapchat, read me. I go away in 24 hours. Oh, I got I to gotta handle all my streaks real quick. Yeah, I know these things, guys. I don't do them, but I know them. Okay? So be sober-minded, but sober-minded of the things of God, not of the things of the world. Number two, he's your adversary. Okay, now, depending upon what denomination you come out of, you either underestimate him or you over-spiritualize him. Okay, now, I will tell you, I came out of the Southern Baptist. I had no concept of spiritual warfare. Okay? Maybe it was just my particular church or whatever. But I had no concept at all. All right? Now, there are some denominations that see him everywhere. Okay? Now, I'm talking balance here, guys. Okay? But the devil is not your enemy. All right? He's not your friend. He's not your buddy. You know, you may think that you and the devil are cool when he puts thoughts in your head of how to get back at someone who's hurt at you or slighted at you at school or on the job. Or you may think he's your friend when he helps you come up with ways to use people to get ahead. But the same thoughts that he's putting in your head, he's putting in their heads too. All right? You don't have a, you don't have a monopoly. But an enemy is someone who hates you and plots against you so they can harm you. And an enemy is trying to disrupt your life so that you don't fulfill the things that you're supposed to be doing with it. An enemy doesn't want to see you do well. So, back to my original question. Who thinks they have an enemy now? Every single one of you should be raising your hand. Okay? Now, here's the problem with our enemy. We can't see him. Okay? But we do know him. Okay? Because the Bible tells us. All right? He is a supernatural being. He, but he has dark powers. And we can't underestimate his powers or his agencies. 
that he controls. And it's not something to be played with. There's a reason why the Bible tells us not to mess with the occult and horoscopes. And let me tell you, last night on Facebook, my heart broke. How many people? Friday the 13th in a full moon. Oh, my goodness. My heart broke. Especially, I have one person on Facebook. Oh, I'm going to go ride my broom. What the heck? Really? Okay. And this is a person who professes to be a Christian. I'm like, you're professing what? Because I don't know any Christian who's going to profess that and then say they're going to ride their broom. Okay? Because that and the Lord I serve don't mix at all. At all. And I'm kind of like stunned, and I'm not quite. And then, I don't know if it was this morning or later that evening. She, you know, you can say that you're going to an event. Oh, yes, we're going to this witch's event. And I'm like, what? And you sit here and wonder why you have all this you-know-what going on in your life? Maybe it's because you're chasing this stuff. You know? Maybe you're overwhelmed at work and you're not feeling good and all this because you're chasing this stuff. I'm like, oh, there goes my glasses. Oh, and there goes my lens. Maybe. Did I? Nope. It's still there. Okay. I, I was appalled. I was totally appalled. I'm like, I, and I, I've, I, I'm sitting back, and I'm not quite, I've learned I can't react in the moment. Gets me in trouble. <laughs> Wonder why. Um, I'm not quite sure how I'm going to address this. Because, yeah. Oh, I'm going to go fly around on my broom. Really? Really? Okay. <clears throat> now, back to my... So, you know, guys, we don't play with that stuff because that stuff is serious. And if you don't think it's serious, you and I need to have a talk. Ephesians 6.12 says, We do not wrestle, wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Let me tell you, guys, all of that sounds a lot more powerful than me. Okay? Rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, I'm just me. But yes, I know that I have power through Adonai and through my belief in Yeshua, but why do I want to go looking for it? Why do you want to go looking for trouble by messing with that stuff? Okay? You know, this is an enemy. You, you think you've got enemies that will play dirty? You ain't seen nothing. There's people out there that can tell you stuff. You know? He's going to throw dirt. It's going to stick. And let me tell you, you kids that are in high school, you want to mess around with this stuff, it'll follow you the rest of your life. Because you live in an age that we don't. You live with cell phones that will... Video, everything that doesn't go away. Okay? So, I feel sorry for you guys because you have it like we never did. So, you guys have to really be careful how you live your life. Because one moment can screw it up. And if you don't believe me, go look at the football players and all of the athletes that suddenly didn't get a scholarship because of something that they posted way back when. And you don't think Snapchat, just because it's 24 hours? Oh, well, I know if they take a picture of it. You don't know if they take a picture of it if they use somebody else's phone. So let me tell you, there's ways around it. And there's ways it can live, and there's ways it can come back and haunt you. And there's ways that you guys need to take it really seriously. And if you don't, you need to start thinking about it because I'm issuing you a warning. Because it can screw up your life and follow you the rest of your life. 
Number two, he prowls. He's always there. He's always looking for an opportunity. He's active. He moves. Okay? Prowling implies movement. But you know what? He's not always going to look like a lion. And you know what? He's not going to look like a red suit, horns, and a pitchfork. Oh, excuse me. You know? He may look like that really attractive girl. Or that really hot guy. Or that really good deal that looks just a hair shady, but oh, we won't worry about that. Or it may be that test that I can get an advanced copy of. There's a million and one ways that he's going to disguise himself. 2 Corinthians 11.14 says, And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. I think if he disguises himself as an angel of light, he can disguise himself as anything else that he wants to, guys. But here's the thing. Looks can be deceiving, but behavior never is. You know, and a lot of times, we don't realize it because we're going to blame a roommate. We're going to blame a government. We're going to blame our wife. We're going to blame our husband. We're going to blame God. But we're not going to blame Hasatan who's doing it, and we're not going to blame ourselves for being unsober-minded. Okay? Then it says he's also, he's very powerful and ferocious, as alluded to by the lion. Now, a lion is a hunter. Lions hunt at night so that they can't be seen before the attack. So why is night hunting good for the devil? Well, because he does that when everything's going really good for us. Again, we're cruising in that lane. We're comfortable. And he's going to catch us off guard. He's going to rock our boat. He's going to surprise attack us. Now, lions target those that are alone and away from the pack. Hasatan does the same thing because he has a better chance of being successful. We can't live the life of a believer alone. We need others. So if you're isolating yourself, if you don't come to services, if you don't fellowship with other believers, you're at a higher risk for attack. Isolation is one of the oldest tricks in his book. Go back to Eve. What did he do? He isolated Eve from Adam and said, oh, come eat this. Goes back to the very beginning. Isolation. 2 Corinthians 11.3 But I am afraid that as the servant deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Messiah. So, if you get isolated because, oh, I don't like how they acted there. I don't like the color of their carpet. Oh, I know more than the pastor, rabbi, ex fill in the blank. So I'm going to go on my own. You've just isolated yourself. So now you're setting yourself up for false teachers because, you know, you see this on YouTube or you find this website or whatever. Who are you going to run it by? You've isolated yourself. You know everything? You really know everything? Oh, okay. I'm glad you've arrived because I haven't. False teachers, false teachings. 
you know. He's going to lure you off into the wilderness. And once you're in the wilderness, where are your thoughts going to go? Where are your relationships going to go? Where are your finances going to go? What's going to happen on the internet in the dark hours of the night? Because nobody's around to see. Okay? And then when you start feeling like going to services, it's an inconvenience. Oh, I'd just rather stay in bed today. Oh, I'd rather fill in the blank for whatever your situation is. Oh, I have to study. Oh, I'm tired. Oh, my toe hurts. Whatever. Then you know the enemy has you where he wants you because he doesn't want you to fellowship. Exactly what he wants. Everybody should be here every Saturday unless you're in the hospital bleeding out. You get my point. Okay? You should be here to fellowship. We're instructed to fellowship. None of us have arrived. If you think you've arrived, come talk to me. I'll be glad to take you down a couple of pegs. You know I'm being sarcastic, right? Please. I know I'm scary. I get told that all the time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Lions also attack those that are weak. They'll sit there and observe a herd to see who's limping. <laughs> Me. <laughs> you know, who, you know, who's the weak of the pack? I read something very interesting with this. Um, I think it's like the water buffaloes. They form a circle and they lock their horns. Um, and they put the young in the middle. But if a male and female water buffalo are having an argument, they won't lock horns. And that leaves the young open to the lion's attack. So if you're having a disagreement and you can't lock horns, you can't come together, you're opening up for the enemy to come in. I thought that was very interesting last night when I read that. You never know where your studying is going to take you, just telling you. <laughs> so, so in our scenario, what's weak? Weak is you barely read your Bible. You don't invest in your prayer life. You don't invest in your faith walk. You know, you show up to services, but it's really just for show. Oh, see, I'm here. Hello. I may eat, but then I'm out the door the minute it's over because, oh, my gosh, they may ask me to do something. Don't want to do anything. I'm just here to show up and look good, you know? Like your red shirt. <laughs> you know, there's minimal investment in their spiritual life. They'll invest in their physical life. They'll invest in their work life. But they're not willing to put that same investment in their spiritual life. You know, there's a lack of discernment in the choices that they're making. So while they may not verbally underestimate them, they're living lives that totally don't recognize the danger that they pose. You know, as a parent, they're allowing their kids total freedom in what they watch, what they wear, where they go. You know, would you do that if the lion was outside? You know, if you had a lion prowling your house, looking in your windows, pawing at your doors, scratching at your doors. Wouldn't that put you on alert? Wouldn't you got to be a little like, okay, how firm is my foundation? Are my doors going to hold? Is it going to be coming in through the windows? Did I lock all my windows? Now how would you react if he's actually in your house? Ah, yeah, that suddenly raised the ante, didn't it? <laughs> you got a gun, you're looking for your gun, or you're pulling your knives out, you're locking the doors and <laughs> hoping you've got solid core doors and not hollow doors, right? You are on full alert because that lion's in your house and he's hungry. 
You're fighting with everything you have because now you're fighting for your survival. Because that enemy is in your face. You smell the stinky breath. It ain't a game anymore. Well, Scripture's telling us right here, it ain't a game. This is not a game. And a lion roars. Yes, we have sound effects. Okay. Do you know that the roar of a lion can be as loud as 114 decibels? That is as loud as some rock concerts. And you've been to some rock concerts, Mr. Otis. You're welcome. You know. Okay? And it can be heard up to five miles away. Okay. His roar is loud. And his roar is going to drown out that still small voice of the Holy Spirit. Okay? How many of you drive down the road and you get to a red light and you got that car behind you? Everybody know where I'm going? It's that car that's going. And you're feeling the bass in your car and you're hearing the music as if it was in your car and you're like, oh my gosh, how are you not deaf? It's like, thank you for making my car shake. You know? Can't hear myself talk because of your music. Thank you. You know, I'm the considerate driver. You know, I have the Jeep. I put the tops back. I put the windows down. So when I'm going down the road, yeah, my music's up. But I stop at a traffic light. I turn my music down. So not everybody has to hear it because I've got the windows down and all that. I turn the volume down. Start to go, the volume goes back up. Okay. I'm nice. I'm considerate. Unlike some people. Okay. But this roar is meant to plant doubts in our mind. It's meant to keep us distracted. It's meant to strike fear in our heart. I'm sorry, if I've got a lion roaring at me? In my face? Yeah, I'm going to be a little like, hi, Mr. Lion. Nice, Mr. Lion. You know, it's meant to create discord among members. It's meant to fill our minds with worries. It's meant to keep us from worshiping and keep us from serving and keep us, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's meant to keep us out of the will of God. And I'm going to throw something out here that you might not have thought about, but I did. Hasatan will take something that was meant for good and pervert it. He can take something innocent and we might not even notice it. You know? I'm going to tell you, since I'm the scary one, I'll own it. It's okay. He'll take distractions, which are the roars, and keep roaring. But I'm going to give you some distractions that I see here every Shabbat. So, yeah, I'm going to step on some more toes. Okay? coming late to services. You got a canter up here cantering. You got rabbi preaching. You got 10 a.m. going and everybody's coming in late. That's not distracting? Yeah, it is. Okay? Not wanting to serve because I don't want to miss any of the service. Well, guess what? People in the kitchen don't want to miss any of the service either. Ushers don't want to miss any of the service. Okay? That's a distraction overall. That's a roar creating dis, dis, um, discord. Why do I have to serve every week when so-and-so won't get up and serve? Okay? Going downstairs and praise and worship and fellowshipping down there. Well, the people in the kitchen, when it works, are trying to watch service. They don't want to hear your conversations in the fellowship hall. Okay? Okay? Making suggestions, but then not wanting to do the work to make the suggestions come through. Okay? How about being so dogmatic in your beliefs, be it political, biblical, or whatever, that you come off rude, and then you hurt other people's feelings, and then maybe they don't want to come back. Okay? 
Or you talk up here during praise and worship. So your neighbor next to you can't worship during praise and worship. Okay? These don't seem like big deal, but week after week after week after week starts being a big deal, guys, because we're a community. And these are the things that chip away at the foundation of a community. And these are things that we can't get complacent about. Because when we get complacent and we get lazy and we, get, we let our guard down, that's when the enemy's going to come in. When we think we're more important than the person next to us, that's when Hasatan's winning. This Parsha tells us to build a fence so we don't fall off. We try to build fences so we're good neighbors. Fences aren't always bad. But we can't do it here when everybody has the attitude of complacency and laziness of let someone else do it. Oh, they have enough people. They don't need my help. Oh, I might mess up my clothes if I help clean up. Oh, that's not really my problem. I'm not involved in that. Well, yeah. You know what? This is a home. And we are all members of its family. So if it affects me, it affects you. Okay? Yeah, we may only live here a couple of hours every week, but it's still your home. And we should treat it just like we treat our homes that we leave here and go to. If you see something that needs to be picked up, pick it up. If you see something that needs to be cleaned, clean it. Don't wait for me, Rabbi Renee, Rabbi Scott, or somebody else to ask you. If you need to see something that needs to be done, do it. Don't wait to be asked. This is your house. It's not... God's house, Rabbi Scott, Rabbi Renee, leadership has been put in charge of it, but you guys reside here too. So you have an equal responsibility to take care of the house. Okay? Yeah, it's me. So, it is your problem. It's not somebody else's problem. It's not my problem. You know, you see something that bothers you, do something about it. Don't bring it to me all the time. You know, do something about it. Half the time, or three quarters of the time, I'm going to ask you, so what are you going to do about it? I'm very good about that. Okay? So my question is, does God have to set off a fire alarm to wake you up and for you to hear him? Wake up. Wake up, wake up, wake up. He's telling us to wake up. Be wise. Be aware of what's going on. Be aware of what the enemy's doing. What is he doing? What what's going on in your life? Do not cruise through life. That is not living. Okay? You know, maybe there's something long-term that's nagging at you that you've never dealt with. Maybe there's a destructive habit or a way of thinking that you know you should work on that's not good for you. And, you know, every now and then you admit, you know, I probably should do something about this, but, eh, I'll put it off. You know, how, much of a, how, how many of us are like Scarlett O'Hara? Oh, I'll think about it tomorrow. You know? But it's the grace of God using the Ruach HaKodesh that's giving us the alarms saying, wake up, face what's going on. Don't make it get to the fire alarm when he's giving you the alarm clock. 
He's giving you everyday reminders. Deal with this. Deal with this. But too many of us are just cruising. We're just plodding along. We're listening to those notifications on our phone that are on our Bible app. You know? And if we're wise, we'll let God wake us up. You know? I know your life is like mine. You're surrounded by unfinished projects in your house, deadlines for papers, deadline. I've got deadlines for things here in the congregation. You know, I got projects in my house. I got an unfinished bathroom that I've been looking at vanities that haven't been painted for two years. Don't talk to me about unfinished projects. You know? I got reminders on my phone. And then I still forget to do things. So, you know, just, there's always stuff, guys. There's always reasons. Even with reminders, I forget to do things. I had to tell June, remind me every time you see me today to do this, please. I'm going to forget this. You know? But is God going to find our spiritual work incomplete? You know, we have been talking about this this month of Elul. And if you missed Terry's teaching this morning, go listen to it. I was listening to it going, oh my gosh, it totally marries in with what I was talking about today. Another reason, you should be here at 10 a.m. Our 10 a.m. teachers are absolutely fantastic. There's no reason why you shouldn't be here. Trust me, I have a husband who snores. I don't sleep at night. Do I really want to get up early and be here? No, I'd rather roll over and go to sleep. I get up at 7 o'clock on a Saturday and get here early. If I can do it, you guys can do it. Yes, he snores very bad. He's like the roaring lion. I have a roaring lion every night. Yes, honey. Be quiet. Thank you, Lord, for providing Bose noise-canceling noise headphones. Yes. But don't wear your headphones because then it muffles out what God may be trying to say to you. See, I can pull everything in. But this month of Elul, we have been talking about spiritual inventories, looking into yourself, get ready for the high holidays. You know, during Rosh Hashanah, we blow the shofar a hundred times. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Everything's about waking up. There's, wake up. But what are we supposed to do when we wake up, guys? We're supposed to move. When you wake up in the morning, you're supposed to get out of bed and move. You don't hit the snooze. We're not going there. I don't want to know how many times you snooze in the morning. Ultimately, you get up, okay? What good is taking an inventory if you never take out? That was great. What good is taking an inventory if we never take action? You know? How many times do you find yourself falling back into your old patterns? You know, guys, the natural course of life is not up, but it's down. It's so much easier to go down than up, right? Because you've got gravity pulling you down, right? You know? But those who choose to sit back and just go with the flow naturally end up going downhill. Okay, but if we want God's best for us, it's going to require us climbing uphill. And without a doubt, that uphill walk is going to require some action and some initiative. And if you embrace that, oh, somehow, someday, I'll get around to it, philosophy, you're never going to reach the best that God has for your life. James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Take action. You know, I can stand up here. Rabbi can stand up here. Rabbi Renee can stand up here. Our 10 and teachers can stand up here. Our afternoon Yom Tor teachers can teach. But if all it does is tickle your ears and doesn't encourage you to act, then you need to re-examine why you have a lack of initiative and why you refuse to move. Because the last time I checked, your feet are not stuck in concrete. If you would like us to, we will be glad to do that for you. 
and then you can say you have a reason not to move. But the last time I checked, every single one of you can move. Some of us may not do it well, and some of us may be slow, but we all move by the grace of God. But we are not up here to tickle your ears. We are here to challenge you to examine your life, make changes, and do something about it. Philippians 4.9 says in closing, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, not me, me, this is scripture, or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So my closing to you is, are you ready to be awake? That's the challenge. Be awake and be in action. Let us close. Abba Father, thank you for today. Lord, thank you for the words. Thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for the message because it's not one that I was looking to give. <laughs> Lord, I pray that we leave and examine our lives and see the areas that we have weaknesses where Hasatan may be exploiting. And I pray that through the self-examination that we will make the changes and grow our faith, grow our walk, and become stronger. Because, Lord, it's only through a strong relationship with you, through leaning on your word, and strengthening our relationship with you, that we can resist. And, Lord, I pray as we go throughout the rest of this day, that you will fill our hearts and fill our minds. In Yeshua's name I pray, amen.